Welcome to Strings Attached, the latest podcast on the Pointcast Network. Strings Attached is a new podcast that focuses on demystifying topics that have been labeled taboo and complex. The show connects us to hard truth. Sometimes these truths challenge opinions we have, asking us to question why we believe the things we do. I encourage listeners to remain open-minded and welcome introspection as a path towards liberation and aligned action. Remember, the ability to change is available to us all. On today's show, we continue our series on the occupation of Palestine, this time focusing on America's role in legitimizing Israel's apartheid regime against Palestinians. I'm your host, Sasha Estrella-Jones, and with me on today's show is Jamil Nasser. Welcome to the show. And thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to get into everything we're going to be talking about today. Before that, let me actually let the people know who you are. Jamil is a Palestinian American who co-founded the Phoenix chapter of the Arizona-Palestine Solidarity Alliance, a network of community members, activists, and organizers in central and southern Arizona working to build a regional BDS movement across the state. We are so excited to have you on the show. I know we only have 20 minutes, so if it's cool with you, let's just jump right in. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So America is unapologetically a proud ally of Israel. How does America and Israel's relationship as allies impact the way the United States supports and treats Israel? Well, it's a big topic. Um, I, I The way that I like to frame this particular subject is um, kind of first to recognize that um, these are settler uh, colonial nations. And as such, they, you know, settler colonial nations truly need to stick together in order to fulfill their missions, right? So, um, you know, we must first recognize that these are settler colonial nations and projects. And as such, their projects really share a lot of the same basic features, although you know, they're at different sort of stages of, of the playbook. So, you know, uh, if, we're, if we're talking about the features of settler colonialism, we're talking about things like, uh, you know, cultural exceptionalism. So this is, you know, classically your subjugation of like, you know, what they deem to be the savage or the native person, um, a chosen people syndrome, you know, belief that the uh, land that was stolen is bestowed upon them by God or by divinity or fate or whatever it might be. Uh, frontier making. This is kind of having like, you know, sort of arrogance towards nature and belief, and belief in like conquering or taming sort of the natural landscape, um, usually through technology, things like that. Um, and then I would say that the big thing is dictating the legitimacy of violence. Um, they believe that violence is only valid when it's carried out by the occupation forces. But for anyone who resists occupation um, in a defensive posture, that that's seen as invalid. That's seen as uh, a brute or, or, or unjustified. So um, kind of just want to get that out of the way. Um, in answer to your question about like why why we support you, uh, why the U.S. supports Israel full stop. I mean, there's kind of a host of reasons here. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's quite a few things and it's changed a little bit over time. But, you know, the primary reason why we, why we support Israel so much is because um, it's a strategic asset to us, uh, to the U.S. in the region. Um, and, and, it, and it really supports the U.S.'s role as a domineering presence in, in the region of the Middle East, um, as well as like uh, being able to face down kind of adversaries via a proxy, which, which in this case would be Israel. So we see this with like Lebanon. We see this with Syria and Iran, especially. But, um, you know, historically, the U.S. 
uh, you know, going back to like the 60s and the 70s, the U.S. saw Israel as an effective way of squashing like a Soviet and, and socialist influence in the region, which is really taking off, um, you know, during the Cold War era. So, um, you know, many liberation movements in the, in the Arab world and the North African world were, were based on like these kind of socialist principles and ideology and thus had a connection to, you know, the Soviets. So it, they saw Israel as, as super effective in, in being able to squash that. So that's kind of the history part of it. Um, and then there's like a few other reasons. There's, there's, I will say, like there's sympathy for the Jewish diaspora um, in, in the wake of, uh, you know, Jewish persecution of World War II. That is absolutely a reason. Um, you have Christian evangelicals obsession with Israel and end times prophecy. Uh, I could talk a little bit more about that if you want. Um, the big one is the impact of arms sales in U.S. military industrial complex. Israel is, is it plays a really big role in, in uh, enriching both nations there. Um, and then you have the relationship and bonds between Jewish Americans and Jewish Israelis and kind of how that how that forms uh, groups like APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, and other crazy pro-Israel lobbying groups that that really butt into um, you know American politics. There's so much to dissect from what you said, so let's do one at a time. First off, I want to touch back on socialism, and I don't think a lot of people know the history that oh yeah, another means of spreading capitalism is anywhere that socialism is, strike it down immediately when you see it. And at the end of the day, it's dollars and cents. So how does the U.S. fund financially Israel? What's that relationship like present day? Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's a super important piece to all this. And I think a lot of people are starting to become more aware, but it is like shocking to anyone who, who doesn't know. Like, So the largest recipient of military aid uh, from the U.S. since 1948 is Israel. They've received $150 billion in aid. Um, you know, like over a tenth of a trillion dollars. Um, most recently, Obama was actually the one who signed a $38 billion uh, aid package to Israel that last 10 years. So he signed that, I think, in 2016. Um, and he, he's not abnormal in signing that. That's, that's, this is 100% like a bipartisan issue. There is no, absolutely no difference between Republicans and Democrats on this issue. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's just the truth. Um, and, and the sum of taxpayer dollars is like especially insane when you consider that Israel, Israel can 100% fund its own military. It's a wealthy country. Um, its per capita income ranks 19th in the world. So um, it's not as if they're in need of this. This is obviously a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, so that $3.8 billion per year, that's coming out of taxpayer dollars. And just to give you like, when I was in Arizona doing this work, we calculated how much that would be for like your typical Arizona citizen. Um, and it's going to vary state to state depending on population, but like in Arizona, you know, pretty one of the bigger states in the U.S. This was $25.25 per individual taxpayer per year that's going to Israel. I mean, it's literally 25 bucks out of your pocket that goes to this horrendous uh, regime that's committing, you know, human rights violations left and right with no accountability, right? Um, and, then, and then getting a little, uh, you know, just a little bit about what like what happens with that military aid because I think it's important to understand is that the U.S. actually requires Israel to use 75 percent of that military aid it receives to buy U.S. arms so you can see this is a bit this is a business deal right and it's not the only reason the U.S. supports Israel but it is a massive reason why uh why it's why it's bipartisan right this is this is a component of the military industrial complex like through and through is it a business deal that they want to keep going 
for generations and they don't care about the consequences of that of that military aid package right and what it's used for so really being complicit in the apartheid setter colonialism of palestinians brings the u.s money but the crazy thing is i never knew the calculation that the organization had done for arizona 25 dollars so by default, being a U.S. citizen and paying taxes also makes you complicit in funding the Israeli military. Yeah, of course, you have no say in the matter. Um, you know, we you, as Americans, we don't get a bill that tells us where our, um, you know, taxpayer dollars are going. Um, obviously, there's so much that can be done here. Um, you know, from 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 as it relates to healthcare or. Uh, you know, just taking care of people's everyday like uh, existence. Um, so yeah, it's it's of course it's preposterous. So the only reason that we know, you know, that this taxpayer uh, money comes out is because you know the president has to sign into uh, legislation these these types of uh, deals. You know, and they go on every ten years. Generally, it's just like a ten year deal, and then it gets renewed by whoever's president. So I'm saying like ten years from now, it doesn't matter who who is in office. Like that is that is going to get signed unless we put some kind of dent into the military industrial complex, which has like a huge stranglehold over no matter you know what administration, Congress, Senate is is uh, happens to be uh, you know sitting in those seats. You had mentioned, and this ties into what you just said, that this is bipartisan. So in a time where we're so polarized, this actually unites people in Washington. So what does that scene look like in Washington with folks lobbying for Israel to get more and more money and for there to be, I hate to say this, a bettering of relations between the U.S. and the state of Israel? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, obviously the U.S. has, the you know, U.S. politics is, is deeply intertwined in corporatism and, and one wing of that corporatism are your uh, Lockheed Martins and Boeings and Raytheons, right? All your military industrial um, manufacturers and, and the contracts that they, um, you know, have in place. So um, that pressure exists uh, independent of uh, Israeli lobbying, but the but Israel's lobbying is like, it's especially like heinous and 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 um, well known in like any political circle. I mean, uh, the best and honestly, the like the funny, I think it's the funniest example of this was when like prime minister at the time um, of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, when during Obama's presidency, his second term, I think, he went directly to Congress without like informing the president and just went and spoke to Congress, like to overwhelming applause to try and undermine the president's policies in regards to like the Iran deal. Like That's unheard of for like a, a, a a president of another country, a leader of another country to come and like address Congress without even giving the president a heads up. That is a political F you. <laughs> let's, yeah. just, let's just call it what it is. That is a yeah. political, you don't even matter. Exactly. And I don't, I, me personally, I don't care about like US political norms in Congress or anything. Like that's not precious to me at all. But like anyone has to look at that scenario and I start to ask the question, like why does Israel get to do these like brazen things that no other country on earth would even attempt? without and get away with it like totally unscathed and it's because israeli like the israel lobbies and, and are different kinds of like israeli lobbies and, and i call them like sham civil rights organizations like the adl the anti-defamation league um supposedly you know these groups are like supposedly committed to fighting anti-semitism um but these groups have a unique amount of like sway and power to throw around the halls of uh, uh, the halls of power in the us and most recently we've seen like crazy amounts of money 
and efforts put into like uh, elections in the US to ensure progressive candidates who have the mild, I would say like the mildest of criticisms towards Israel to make sure that they lose their primaries. I mean, this is all done by groups like the Democratic Majority for Israel, APAC, even non-Jewish is pro-Israel organizations like Christians United for Israel, which is a Christian Zionist group. Um, the, these groups all are, are super well organized, super well funded, have a ton, they, they make sure if, if um, a representative gets elected, the first call, their day number one is gonna be one, one of these three groups or all three of these groups knocking down their door. I mean, they, they, they have got a system down to get into the offices of all representatives, regardless of their, their positions. In some cases, it's, you know, you have these wacko evangelical uh, conservative leaders who are happy to do Israel's bidding from an ideological perspective or from more of a, a, a you know, less charitable, like, uh, I just, we, you know, we need each other to take advantage of, of one another. Um, or, or, you know, middle of the road Democrats who just support Israel because it's good for their careers. They know that if you start bucking, if you start speaking about Palestinians, that's going to wreck your career in a second. Um, and then you have what's maybe the saddest situation of all is like progressive candidates who, um, you know, prior to their campaigns or maybe early in their campaigns are, are, are pretty pro-Palestinian. Um, and then you see that that all that that completely gets reversed as soon as um, these groups, as soon as they become on the radar of like these lobbying groups and they become, uh, you know, on the, the butting end of a lot of like smear campaigns. And obviously there's this weapon of anti-Semitism that can be hurled against anybody who says a single dignifying word about Palestinians and, and how dishonest that whole thing is. So um, that's just a little bit about what the environment is like. It's very toxic, obviously. It, it definitely is. And I think with that being said, and just the general culture of, this lack of trust for good reasons in the U.S. government and government in general. I mean, folks who are listening to this can just feel like, well, we're all doomed. So what do individual folks, do they have any power? Can they impact what is going on in a positive way that supports Palestinians? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, it's like everything I just talked about is really... Um... It can, it's very easy to to get hopeless about the whole situation. It's like that that quote. It's easier to to envision the uh, end of the world before it is to envision the end of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like you can make a kind of similar thing with like you, you, I I can't envision the end of the end of the Israeli occupation without say like the end of the American Empire. You know what I mean? So I think focusing your efforts on on things that um, uh, call out and diminish the strength of American empire and, and militarism are going to, by extension, like help with, with the, with the, the uh, you know, Palestinian liberation. And of course, like BDS, uh, Boycott, Divestment and Sanction Movement is a big, plays a big part. Um, it's really kind of the best weapon that we have right now, um, you know, being, you know, where we are, in, not just in terms of Palestine, Palestinian uh, organizers, like in the diaspora, but I mean, BDS is something that Palestinians living in Palestine, occupied people have called on the rest of the world who sympathizes with Palestinians, who's in solidarity with Palestinians, th 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 this is their ask of us, right? Can you speak more on BDS for people who have never heard of it before, don't know it from anywhere in the world? What exactly is BDS and how can people get active in participating in the BDS movement? 
Sure. So uh, BDS stands for Boycott Divestment Sanctions. Um, you know, each I'll go through each piece kind of individually really quick, like the boycotts. Examples of that would involve like withdrawing support for Israel and, is, and Israeli and international companies that are involved in the violation of Palestinian human rights, as well as like a complicit Israeli sporting cultural and kind of academic institutions, right? So an example of this is like Sabra Hamas, you've probably seen it in the stores. It's it's trash hummus, um, not in, just in terms of pure flavor, you know, and, and it taste. Is. That's as an Arab, that's not real hummus. It just isn't. Um, but also, it's it's evil hummus. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it, it's it, bad it's, and evil. <laughs> it's bad and evil. So there's no reason for it to be like the the hummus of the U.S. Um, so yeah, you can you can just not buy that stuff. You can look at labels. Um, it can be it can be sort of personal and products. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of Israeli um, goods uh, circulating in the U.S. So um, you know, even so, you know, boycotting those products, um, actively not buying them, getting your friends to not buy them, like that's a, that's a very small. That's like the least we can ask, right? <laughs> that you do, right? Um, divestment. So this is kind of a, a bigger part. Like this is an example of divestment. Is like uh, you you know campaigns that urge banks local councils, uh, churches, like pension funds, universities to withdraw investments from Israeli companies and from international companies that are involved in violating human rights. So that could be stuff like, that, that's companies like uh, Hewlett Packard and Google with like a lot of the surveillance technology that they're, that they're lending there. And then the sanctions part is kind of like the biggest piece. Um, and that's campaigns that pressure governments to fulfill their legal obligation to hold Israel accountable um, including like ending military trade, uh, free trade agreements and expelling Israel from international forums like the UN or like FIFA. So that's the really, really big stuff. So the way you think about it, like a pyramid, like you need the boycotts will like fuel the divestments and, and then that will fuel kind of the sanctions because, you know, ideally the, the, the ground swell, you know, uh, uh, kind of percolates like up upwards to people who have like real, real uh, power to like end these types of things. That's all into. Oh, I know. I was just going to say that's, uh, you know, second, what was this? the second part of your question was about um, how people can get involved with BDS. Yeah. So, like, you know, any any Palestinian pro Palestinian solidarity group with its weight is going to be like an, ad, an avid, like, uh, uh, supporter of BDS and probably, you know, uh, utilizing some tactics locally, like looking locally, like in your city to see what. Um, connections there are to the to uh, Israel to Israeli uh, violator to the violators of human rights and and I think look to those local groups though that your local Palestinian solidarity group to be able to draw those connections and educate you on what you can do um, so I, I, I kind of like that you know BDS has, has really become like so well adopted even in, in the face of a lot of again like a, a multi-million dollar uh, propaganda campaigns to uh, conflate uh, you know, BDS with, you know, in a sort of an anti-Semitic, like we're, we're boycotting Israel because they're Jewish instead of, no, we're actually just boycotting them because it's Israel and they're, uh, um, you know, literally the gatekeepers of Palestinian liberation at this point, so. Exactly, and I don't think people really realize what everyday company they use that are in support of Israel. For example, you know, I used to use the skincare line Origins Mm -hmm. which the parent company is Estee Lauder. And people don't know Estee Lauder is a company that gladly gives, gives money away to Israel. And it's like at a time where we talk about being conscious consumers and, you know, looking at the ingredients on labels mm -hmm. and, you know, are they sourcing ethically? Also, are people being harmed, killed, 
murdered, apartheid, genocide, all the sort from this product that you're buying because the company is just shoveling out money to these causes. Absolutely. And the other thing that I, I failed to mention earlier that I think is a form of BDS is um, a lot of local uh, police municipalities um, send uh, police officers to Israel for cross trainings. The Anti-Defamation League ADL puts on these trainings. And there's a very good chance, a lot of research has been done on this. Um, Jewish Voice for Peace is actually one of the groups that has kind of led, led this particular campaign. Um, it's called Deadly Exchange. And the goal is for um, organizers and activists to pressure their city council to ban these these uh, police exchanges between Israel and the U.S. and and um, executive police officers. Um, so uh, that's that's another. I think you know that's that that really goes along with like the uh, divestment part, right? Like uh, divesting your your police your police. Um, from from going over there because they're learning things like crowd disbursement tactics, um, you know how to do mass and targeted arrests, how to develop uh, uh, weaponry against you know large crowds um, that that are that are considered unruly. And Israel really touts like their expertise in developing and building these training programs to like crack down on giant crowds of people like they did in like the intifadas. You know what I mean? The irony of when we look at the past couple of years where we really highlighted, you know, things like defund the police and really redoing the justice system. Also folk thinking that's not related directly in this case to the state of Israel. And even what you just said, I had no clue that there are officers from the U.S. who go to Israel to get training to then come back to the U.S. and use this on American citizens in the same way that Israel uses wild, inhumane, horrid tactics every day on Palestinians. Yeah, and then you go, and then you see Israelis uh, holding up Black Lives Matter flags. I mean, it's uh, the epitome of hypocrisy. I mean, we all recognize that people of color have been, have been disproportionately targeted by police brutality, like forever, right, in this country. But ending and, and ending these cross trainings, you know, it, it would send a strong signal to Israel and to our local municipalities about the militarization of police. But, you know, we have to be realistic. It's not going to end racial discrimination in our systems of policing. Like they, they're, they're, they've been there, like even before these cross trainings happen. But what it does is it sends a strong signal that these issues are interconnected to the concept of America as an empire. Thank you. I mean, I want to talk more, but we are running out of time. But everything you said, I think, is really a great setup for the next show, which is going to be looking more about stolen land and how stolen land directly correlates to the appropriation of Palestinian culture. I mean, you hit it right on the head when you talked about Hamas. <laughs> Literally, that's one of the fine examples. And also what it means to have the land that you live on taken from you. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Thank you again for being on the show today, Jamil. We really appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Sasha. I appreciate it. I'd also like to give a special thanks to Hadil Michal and Zainab Tawil, to whom this series wouldn't be possible without. Their input, ideas, feedback, and support were paramount in putting together a series on Palestine anchored in truth and storytelling. They are two of the proudest Palestinians I know, and I pray them, as well as every other single Palestinian, gets to see the day that their motherland is free. A thank you to our listeners for your participation. We want to encourage listeners to continue this discussion through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Pointcast News at ELAC Productions, a studio for podcasters, musicians, and anyone who has something to say. To listen to any of our podcasts, visit our website at pointcast.news or visit us at Apple Podcasts. Also be sure to like and follow us on our social media pages at Facebook and Instagram. Join us next time. Until then, be blessed and take care.